0: You know, your wife did not marry you just to have another son. She wants a man who is confident, who is capable, who is courageous, who knows how to protect, who can provide, and who is always prepared for the worst case scenario. Welcome to the Bedros Cooley and Show. When Q was rolling with Lorenzo and a Benzo, I was banging with a gang of instrumental. So I got to thinking the other day, the responsibilities that moms and dads have in raising their sons specifically. I came to the conclusion that moms are really good at turning babies into boys. But it is the dad's responsibility, the father's responsibility to turn that boy into a man. And I got to thinking, how does a weak boy become a strong man? Well, it really can't unless you have a strong male figure in his life. And therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. And so today, guys, on the Bedros Koulian Show, we are going to talk about how weak boys become weak men and they create weak cultures and weak communities and weak countries. And sadly, empower the big government. And while I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I'm not someone who necessarily subscribes that it's a uh, big government has this agenda, to take our possessions and properties and monies, I am here to tell you that no matter the situation, absolute power is absolutely corrupt. So if you and I as citizens are unable to maintain power, then that power will be taken by those in power. That power shows up in the way of freedom, that power shows up in the way of money, that power shows up in the f- way of uh, your right to bear arms, the power shows up in the way of right to free speech. And if you are not protecting your right to bear arms, to make money, to 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 move about, then those rights will be infringed upon. That's just how it is. Absolute power is absolutely corrupt. And today on the Bedros Koulian show, we are going to talk about the solution of how weak boys became weak men and how we will strengthen humanity again, one young man at a time. But uh, there's this quote that I've heard, and the quote goes something like this, strong men create good times, and good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, and bad times create strong men. So you see how it's a cyclical event. And when you think about building up to what happened on September 11th, 2001, we were experiencing good times building up to that. We were experiencing good times building up to the 9-11 tragedy. The economy was great. Everything was going well. Remember, it was the whole dot-com growth, right? And money was moving about. And when there's good times that last too long, those good times begin to weaken men. And if there was any, any blessing, and it's hard to even look at it this way, but if there was any blessing that came out of the 9-11 attacks on our great country, it's two things. One, this country was most united, most patriotic the following day. September 12th, 2001. And I pray and I hope that one day we will get back to that level of patriotism, unity, community, and pride in our country and in our people. Make no mistake about it. The United States is not perfect, but having come from a communist country, I can tell you it is damn near the most perfect place that you will find anywhere else. I come from a country of oppression, Remember, I escaped the Soviet Union, Armenia, and my family and I came here when I was six years old. I went back to visit Armenia in my early 20s. And I remember, while communism had fallen by then, it was still a socialist republic. It was still corrupt. It was still a place I did not want to live. Thank God for the United States. But what happens if the United States loses its constitutional rights? What happens if this great superpower loses its ability to police the bad guys of the world, the bad guys from North Korea, from China, from Russia? And right now, we're in a place where we see that happening, that the United States is unable to flex its muscles, its might, like it once did. But I don't think we've lost hope, and I don't think you should lose hope. Because the second thing that happened on 9-11, 2001, is that we ended up creating bad times. Our country went to war. And that war ended up creating very strong men. In those times, over the next 20 years, that got us here, created good times again. And those good times now are repeating the cycle as we just talked about. But I wanna talk to you about what happens when a country, a civilization, a world loses loses its men, the men who are willing to stand in the gap between good and evil, right? Don't for a moment think that that can't happen. Let's just go back and think about what happened in Canada. You know, those truckers were protesting peacefully. And look how quickly their bank accounts were locked down in Canada, right? That's because they don't have their Constitution rights. They don't have the Constitution. You look at what happened in Australia during the pandemic. Children were being torn away from their parents and locked up against their will. All for what? As the facts about that virus is now coming out was nowhere as deadly or threatening as they made out to be. Yet they caused so much trauma, so much harm, and it was so damaging to generations to come that the suicide rate in adolescents and teens has skyrocketed. The drug abuse rate in adolescents and teens has skyrocketed. And I believe that had it not been for the Constitution, that we in this country would have suffered much more than we did during the pandemic. And so if we can't protect the Constitution, your First Amendment, your freedom to speech is protected by your Second Amendment, your right to bear arms. And if we can't protect the Constitution and Bill of Rights as a whole, and it slowly begins to erode, then that absolute power who is eroding the Constitution will begin to become even more absolutely corrupt. And so I'm convinced that we are always just one generation away from losing our freedoms from losing our liberties, from losing our constitutional rights. We're just one generation away because if the next generation is not willing to step up, to speak up, to use their voice, to use their constitutional rights, to, if needed, exercise their might, then we will lose this great country that we have. And so what I've learned is that big media, government, and the folks who try and exercise their absolute power in the attainment of more power have done a great job over the last two decades in eroding masculinity. So much so that they've actually termed the phrase toxic masculinity. Really, does toxic masculinity even exist, guys? I don't think it does. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. You're either masculine or you're toxic. And I wanna challenge you to offer me a different perspective. Because if you're masculine, then you're chivalrous. You're willing to open doors for people. You're willing to say your pleas and thank yous. You are willing to lend a hand if someone needs something heavy moved. You are willing to step in the gap to protect those who can't protect themselves. You are willing to walk on the sidewalk side when walking with a woman on the street side of the sidewalk You are willing to be a gentleman, be a servant, and to be a savage. That is a masculine man. Now, someone who's toxic is typically a nice guy. Women will talk to them and about them as nice guys. You're a nice guy. Yeah, you're a nice guy. I'm looking for a bad boy. Really, they're looking for a masculine man, but nice guys, are passive aggressive. Nice guys are not willing to open doors. You know who the nice guys are. If you and your lady leave the house, and you're walking to your car, and you go to your side of the car, and she goes to the passenger side of the car, and she has to let herself in, you're probably a nice guy. I can tell you're not a masculine guy. You're not a chivalrous guy. You're not a good guy. Certainly not a dangerous guy. Because what happens if as you're getting into your driver's seat and buckling your safe little booty up, a threat comes and stabs your wife or kidnaps your wife or steals her purse before she can get in on the passenger side? But you haven't thought of that, have you? See, that's the difference between nice guys and good guys. Good guys are willing to be dangerous. Good guys are willing to let their wives and their girls back into the car first before they go in the car. Good guys are willing to stand on the side of risk to become the buffer between risk and everyone else. But a nice guy is passive aggressive. A nice guy, well, he won't open doors. A nice guy, he won't exercise his voice. He'll talk shit about you behind your back. A nice guy is not dangerous at all. And in fact, the nice guys are the most dangerous people because they will stab you in the fucking back. Nice guys are the weakest of all men. And so I've realized that the government and big media has done a great job using sitcoms and movies to dumbify men, to make men look like big doofuses who can't get anything right. And if their wives and girlfriends didn't correct them, that they wouldn't even be able to tie their shoes. When you really think about how big media, TV, the movie industry portrays men, they show men as these lost and confused, oversized baby boys, these these children. And in fact, a lot of women now treat their husbands and their boyfriends as their sons. And the one thing I tell guys all the time at the project is, you know, your wife did not marry you just to have another son. She wants a man who is confident, who is capable, who is courageous, who knows how to protect, who can provide and who is always prepared for the worst case scenario. Doesn't mean they're living in the worst case scenario but they know how to be dangerous. And that is very important. See, as we did the project, I realized that the project alone was not enough, that we needed to help the generation that's coming up. That if big media is using cartoons and television and movies and publications and social media to declaw and defang men while they're still boys, then maybe I need to do something to be able to build these boys up into men. And maybe I could help the fathers along with the instructors of the project, we could help the fathers and the mothers in building masculine young men that are healthy and confident in their masculinity because there is no such thing as toxic masculinity. There are toxic men and there are masculine men, but there is no such thing as toxic masculinity. And so it's because of that that we created the project. And even after that, we created the Squire Program. Now, the Squire Program is really for fathers who want to take their sons through a rite of passage experience. See, when my son Andrew was born, I read this great book called Raising a Modern Day Knight. The author's name is Robert Lewis. Fantastic book. Highly recommend you guys read it. And in that book, he talks about How it is our job as fathers to turn boys into men. It is our job as fathers to teach these boys, our boys, how to be rough and tumble, how to be savages, and yet how to be servants, how to be a lion and a lamb, how to know right from wrong and how to know when there's a unjust law and to do the right thing anyway. Trust me when I say, during the pandemic, there was a lot of mandates and laws that were passed that me and my friends and my companies chose to ignore because they were not right. They were not right. See, the nice guy is willing to comply with laws and mandates that are unjust. A good man is not willing to do that. He's willing to stand his ground. Now I stood my ground to the point where I lost over 218 Fit Body Bootcamp franchise locations and we were able to build those back up over the last two years. Now I don't know if you're willing to stand your ground to that level, if you're willing to lose that kind of money to make a point and to draw a line in the sand to say that not here, not with me, not today, motherfucker. But I can tell you this, that there's enough men out there who are willing to. And if you feel the calling in your gut, in your heart, to want to serve men and to want to speak up because you could be the spark that sets the men around you on fire, then I'm challenging you here and now to start by serving the youth around you, just like we're doing with the Squire Program. Now, this is the Squire Program Battle Book, and I want to read through it with you. Like I told you, when my son was born, I read the book, Raising a Modern Day Knight, and I realized what my role and responsibility as a father was. I realized that I had to raise a son who's gonna be a great leader, who's gonna be a good husband, who's gonna be a outspoken human on the side of righteousness, and not on the side of laws and mandates, but on the side of righteousness and truth. And that I would build, raise a young man who was going to be situationally aware, who knows how to protect himself and defend the people that he loves. But he's going to be confident and capable and know right from wrong. It is my right as a father to do that for my son so that when I die, I know that this country, this community is in good hands because we know that absolute power is absolutely corrupt. And those that are corrupt are constantly attempting to take away more of your rights more of your money, more of your freedom. And so I share that with you because as we built out the Squire program, fathers and sons started just flocking over to it. And the Squire program is unlike the project. We're not looking for guys to quit. We don't create scenarios that are so difficult that the inner conversation begins and men begin to negotiate. It is just a rite of passage because in all of history, there has been a rite of passage for boys becoming men. You see, you don't need a rite of passage for a young girl who is becoming a woman because as she turns of age, she begins to develop breasts and she begins to have her menstrual cycle. There is a very physical and visceral event that takes place that tells her that you are now a woman. But when you think about it, What physical thing happens to a young boy that says you are now a man? That you are no longer a helpless little boy, a child, a dependent, but you are now in a position to get a seat at the table with the men of the tribe to be able to learn how to protect, provide, preside, be prepared to go to battle, to serve, to be savage, to be servant. And so I bring this up to you because it is our job as men, as fathers, as older brothers, as uncles. And this is, in fact, why knights had squires. When you think about it, a knight had a squire, and the squire's job was to tend to the horse, to clean his armor, to to take the blood off the sword that he went to battle with. And then that knight would also sword fight with this young squire, teaching him the ways of combat, the ways of chivalry, the ways of honoring others, the ways of respecting others, the ways of commanding respect. That has stopped. That has caused boys to grow up confused. See... Every single boy still has aggression in him, still has this desire to be rough and tumble. But when they haven't been given the opportunity to be rough and tumble with the dad because dad has been declawed and defamed, and now this young boy has been declawed and defamed, it shows up as passive aggressiveness. What would happen if you took your boy at a young age and put him into jujitsu, you put him into some active sports where there was combat, there was conflict. You would now have a young boy who's more confident and capable. You would now have a boy who has tested himself against others in his age group and knows his capabilities and capacities. You would have a boy who knows how to give feedback in a scenario where there's conflict. But when that boy has not experienced any of those things, he grows up to be a man-child who is passive aggressive, a nice guy, backstabbing, unable to communicate his thoughts, emotions, and feelings, and soon gets put in this category of, oh, he's a nice guy, but I wouldn't date him or marry him. And on the off chance that someone does find you interesting enough, they're just gonna treat you like their second or third or fourth child. You're just gonna be their boy. And I don't know about you, fella, but I'm not looking to be anyone's boy. And so the Squire Program is designed to do that, to help men who want to help their sons become confident and capable men to create this rite of passage. And so I wanna read through the battle book that we have for the Squire Program here because this is something that I read to the boys and we give them all a copy like this. What I wrote here in this book is called how to be a man. A man is prepared, a man provides, a man protects. He's prepared for both the expected and the unexpected. It's for this reason that he always carries cash as well as everyday necessities. He has his affairs in order and is always ready to step in the gap in defense of others. A man provides for his family. He provides shelter, food, freedom, peace of mind, security, love, compassion, guidance and understanding. A man protects his mind. He protects his values and way of life. He protects his family, his community and their rights and freedoms. A man is kind and he's dangerous. A man leads and problem-solves. A man admits his mistakes and makes things right. A man shows respect to others and demands respect through his actions and character. A man judges another man by his words and deeds and nothing else. A man establishes his reputation and protects through his actions. A man knows how to make others think and laugh. A man knows how to knock another man down on his ass. He may never have to demonstrate it, but he knows how to do it. A man doesn't give into his peer pressures. He doesn't seek validation or approval from others. A man knows right from wrong and will do the right thing in public and in private. A man will step up to speak. He'll get up to let a woman or an elderly person take his seat. A man will open doors and stop traffic without thinking twice about it because that is what a man is supposed to do. A man knows his way around tools. He knows how to jumpstart a car. He knows how to drive a manual car. And he knows how to hop a fence. A man is emotionally disciplined. He does not react rather he responds to a situation. A man listens and doesn't just wait to talk. A man is open-minded, but he won't be strong-armed into agreeing with anything that violates his core values. A man wants peace, a man promotes peace, and encourages others to seek out peace. But God help you if you're on the receiving end of his justifiable violence. A man is simple, a man is complex. A man has the duty and obligation to raise a son who is capable and confident man so that he may be an asset to society and not just a liability. When I sat down to write this, how to be a man, I thought long and hard about it for days. And if you just use that as your filter, do you feel that you can check off every box. Now I can tell you that I'm constantly a work in progress myself, and I make sure that my son continues to do the work himself. My son and I have gone through the Squire program twice because it is an amazing rite of passage experience, and I'm not here to promote the Squire program. What I am here to promote is that as a father and a son, that you take that list that I just read to you and use that perhaps as a blueprint to guide your son as he grows into adulthood. He will become more emotionally stable, more confident, more capable. He will have core values and character because it is in the absence of confidence and capability, it is in the absence of character and core values that a man becomes anxious, depressed and addicted. That's the reality, my friends. That is the reality. And so for many, many years, hundreds and hundreds of years, different tribes and cultures have always had a rite of passage for their young boys. And in many ways, it was the father and a group of men that he trusted and respected who took that boy once he became of age around the ages of 13, 14, 15 years old, and put him through an experience that would be this rite of passage where he would cross this chasm from boy to young man and win a seat at the table for the other men to be able to pour into him over the weeks, months, and years to come and to help develop him into a capable and confident man of that tribe as a future leader and elder. Think how powerful that is. And if every generation looks after the generation that's coming up, then we can rest assured that those in power will always have a capable and confident man to stand in the gap to protect. Now there's another thing that I've written in here that I wanna share with you. And I share this with the fathers and the young men that come to the Squire program. And I share it with them because in my 48 years, I've discovered there are some things that I can do that will give me a life of greater impact and fulfillment. And make no mistake about it, friends, your life is better when you are impacting the life of others in a positive way you will feel more fulfillment. You will have a greater sense of significance. In fact, significance and fulfillment is one of the six basic needs that a human has. And so if you're not feeling a sense of purpose, fulfillment, significance, impact, meaning, call it however you want, you will suffer through anxiety. You will feel depressed. You will feel like your life has no meaning. And so on the next page, I created something that I titled 30 Rules to Live a Life of Impact and Fulfillment. Now, I'm not going to go through all 30 rules here, but I will share five or six with you that I've highlighted. Number one, when you make a promise, keep it. Think about it. When you make a promise, keep it. How often do people make a promise to themselves or others and don't keep that promise? They flake out on their friends when something easier or more fun comes up, or there's a little traffic and so you decide you're going to flake out and not meet your friend who maybe, just maybe wants to spend some time with you because that time with you could be a moment of reflection for them because they're going through a hard time. How often do you keep a promise to yourself that I'm going to set the alarm the night before, that I'm going to wake up at 5 or 5.30 or 7 a.m., whatever time, and then you hit that snooze button? You're breaking a promise. And each time you break a promise to yourself or you break a promise to others, you end up eroding your credibility. You end up eroding the reputation that you have with yourself. And if you're wondering where personal confidence and self-esteem comes from, I can tell you this, that confidence and self-esteem is a byproduct of the reputation, the credibility that you have with yourself. And if you are a constant and consistent promise breaker, then you will unfortunately find yourself in a place of low self-esteem, low confidence, and you'll feel like an imposter. Number six, stop being needy, validation seeking, and looking for the approval of everyone around you, right? I found that a life of impact and fulfillment means that I have to march to the beat of my own drum. I don't have to look for the approval and validation of others around me. You've got your own set of core values. You've got your own character. You've got your own integrity. If you take time to develop it, if you don't, then you are going to drift through life without meaning. And you're going to plug your umbilical cord into everybody else's definition of fulfillment and impact. And that is what's known as approval seeking, validation seeking, needing a pat on the back from someone else. The moment you stop seeking out other people's validation and approval is the moment that you've gained freedom and clarity. And when you have freedom and clarity, you will have greater impact and fulfillment. Number 10, wake up when all your friends and peers are still asleep and start stacking wins. I got to tell you, this is one of the most powerful things I do. This is one of the most powerful things I teach. I believe there's only so much energy, wisdom, in the universal ethers. Every given day, there's only so much energy and wisdom in the universal ethers. And I believe that if I wake up earlier than everyone else, that I will get a higher level of that concentration of wisdom and energy before everyone else wakes up and plugs into the universal consciousness. And so to me, I'm willing to wake up earlier before my friends and peers and start stacking wins when I could really have the most amount of clarity and energy that the universe provides me. Are you willing to do that to have greater impact and fulfillment? Number 12, you're a man and men protect, provide, and stay prepared. That's the truth. You're a man, and if you're not a man and you're a woman listening to this, have a man listen to this as well. <laughs> if you're a woman listening to this, good for you. And in fact, you ought to be looking for a man who fits the criteria here. But if you're a man and you don't feel that you can protect and provide and stay prepared, you're always going to have this feeling of hollowness and emptiness inside you because, as men, it is factory installed for us to want to protect and provide and stay prepared. But if we're not taught this by our parents, by our fathers, by our uncles, by our older brothers, by the men in the tribe, then you will feel this sense of emptiness inside you that's unfulfilling. And here's why this is so important to you. This is so important because there is no game plan. There is no blueprint. There is no operations manual to becoming a man. It is a it is tribal knowledge that has to get passed on from one man to another. Like there is no... How to be a man. I know there's a little article I wrote on how to be a man. But don't for a moment think that that's the game plan. Like we are complex. And men before you and I have charted the way. And it is your job, my job, to seek out mentors. To seek out mentors who know the way of man. Big nod to Mr. Jack Donovan great book, the author of The Way of Man, who in the future will be on this podcast. Now, guys, I share this with you because if you are not prepared, if you do not feel that you can protect, if you are ill-equipped to provide, you will feel a sense of emptiness. Number 20, ego is your enemy. It creates blind spots and gives you an emotional limp. It's the only way I can say it. Your ego is your enemy and it will give you blind spots. The people that have the most egos have the most blind spots and they don't see their own flaws and they see themselves as higher, more superior than others. And in fact, they are the ones that have the greatest amount of emotional limps where they can't take any criticism. They can't take any feedback because their ego is so strong. And I need you to understand what the ego does. It does two things. The ego will soothe and shield. The ego will soothe and shield. In other words, it will shield by repelling, saying, no, man, that, that person's wrong. They don't. Their criticism, their feedback is inaccurate. It's a shield. An ego will create this glass shield, not allowing you to take in criticism and feedback that can make you a better human. The ego is also something that will soothe you. Oh, no, I'm a better person than that. They they don't know what they're talking about. I'm a much better person than that. I'm kind. I'm compassionate. I'm empathetic. So you end up having all this like really gentle and soft, soothing conversations with yourself, even though people around you are saying the contrary. So the ego does create blind spots. And the more blind spots you have, the more emotional limps you have. And the last one I want to read to you guys here is number 27 of 30 of 30 rules to live a life of impact and fulfillment. Number 27 says, create peace, seek out peace, but be prepared to bring the violence when violence is the only option. And I want to share that specific piece with you. I want to tell you a story about that. I don't think I've shared that on the Empire podcast show. And This is the first time that I'm sharing it on the Bedros Koulian show. I love being peaceful. I've had a lot of violence in my life from carjackings that I've been involved in to home invasion robberies, to police helicopter chases, all things that we can talk about another time. And when you grow up in Section 8 housing you've seen a lot of gang violence and have been sometimes the recipient of that gang violence. There was a time that I think I was probably 20 or 21 years old. I took a young, young lady out on a date to golf and stuff, which was at the time across the street from uh, Disneyland. A friend worked there and so he gave me some free tokens to play video games and being a broke young man, it made sense that I would take this woman or young lady out to golf and stuff. Hey, you get free games, you get free video games and golf games. All I gotta do is pay for some soda. And um, what ended up happening was earlier that day, my friend and I had carjacked this dude. And um, unbeknownst to us, he he was part of a local gang. And unbeknownst to us, while we weren't able to carjack him because he stepped on it and got away, he later followed me, but followed me all day. And that night at Golf and Stuff, him and 12 other dudes came in looking for me. Now, my friend who was part of the carjacking team, he wasn't there. It was just me and this girl on a date, and they gave me the beating of my life. They put me in the hospital, and I share this with you because you might think you're big and bad and strong, but sometimes people will just come at you in numbers and take your ass down. And that's what happened to me. Now, that was karmic justice, but then you fast forward years later, and I became even better at violence in terms of fighting and self-defense. And I've talked to you about the six week challenges that I do and some of my six week challenges have been jujitsu and MMA fighting. And as it turns out, one day when I was flying back from a trip to Hawaii with my family, there's a dude on the plane, we're in first class but we're in back of first class and there's this dude up in the front of first class and he's going off and we're flying back from Maui And we're up in the air. It's like 11 o'clock at night. We're over the mighty Pacific, like 35,000 feet up in the air. And this guy is losing his shit. Like people around him have cleared the way. He's making the gun gesture and he's hitting the seat in front of him. And people are freaking out. Now, this was just a few years back. Now, I know that this is post 9-11, so I'm thinking any minute now, like the flight attendants um, are going to give us the nod and we're going to tackle this guy down. And so I look at the guy sitting across from me and we kind of gave each other the nod like, hey, you got this? Yeah, all right, great. We got each other's back. And I was convinced that if he and I got up, everyone else would. Well, just then the flight attendants come walking past us with zip ties in their hands. And I'm like, hey, ma'am, what's going on? How can we help? She goes, well... He's a flight risk, and we have to ask him to zip tie himself. I'm like, wait, you're going to ask him to zip tie himself? The guy's going bonkers up there. She said, yes, by law, we have to ask him to zip tie himself. Well, so they, the, this woman, flat attendant, and two other flat attendants, cut in front of him and create this wall of humans between him and the cockpit. And you could see that she's gesturing and saying, hey, you got to put on these zip cuffs. And now he stands up and he's yelling at her and he's foaming at the mouth. He's going bonkers. She looks up at me and the guy sitting next to me and just starts waving her hands and says, help. And we go running up. And as I get up in front of him, he looks at me and he goes, what are you going to do? And he goes to push me and shove me. And just like Aaron Weatherspoon had taught me, because I was I had just finished doing the six-week MMA challenge with Aaron Weatherspoon. At the time, he was the King of the Cage welterweight champion. Just like Aaron had taught me, I parried out of the way, got behind him, and got him in a rear naked chokehold. And I'm like, holy crap, this dude is bucking like a Bronco. Now, keep in mind, I'm wearing my Hilo Hattie Hawaiian shirt. I've got shorts on and I've got flip-flops on. So I've got very poor traction and I'm sweating because I'm so nervous, man. And I'm sliding out of my flip-flops and he's taller than me. And so when he stands up straight and he lifts me up, so I cinch up harder. And I remember what Aaron had told me, take a deep breath. And when you do, you constrict those arteries even more. And sure enough, he crumpled down. So now the other guy who came to help has got the zip cuffs and he's trying to wedge the zip cuffs between my gut and this guy's back. And I'm not getting off this guy's back. I'm like whispering in his ear. He's still bucking. Now he's on his knees. He's still bucking And I'm like, buddy, relax. Everything's going to be fine. No one's dying on this plane. What the fuck is a matter with you? My wife and kids were looking at me like, what the fuck, man? Because I go on all these business trips and there's never an issue with the plane or any passengers in it. And now I'm on a trip back from Hawaii, and this guy's losing his shit, and he's a flight risk, so since the other guy can't wedge the zip cuffs between my gut and this guy's back to get his arms back there, I'm like, all right, what would Aaron do? What did Aaron teach me? I'm like, all right, guillotine chokehold, so I quickly switch around, I get him in a guillotine chokehold, now I got this guy's head, I'm cinching up again, he's getting limp. And that creates the opportunity for the other guy to zip tie his arms behind his back. We sit him in the very back of the plane, and me and the other guy take turns every hour sitting next to him, just as a guard, uh, while the plane flew to LAX, where once it landed, LAPD was there and they took him away. Uh, But I got to tell you, had I not been prepared and had I not been willing to stand in the gap I don't know how that flight would have ended. I don't know if he was on drugs. I don't know if he had a weapon. I don't know if he had access to a weapon. I don't know if he was going to try and ram that cockpit door open. What I do know is I did not want things to end in a god-awful way of this plane going down with me and my beautiful family in it and hundreds of other passengers. And so I was willing to step in that gap. Now, thank God that I had someone train me just Even for six weeks earlier, he had trained me in MMA, and that limited amount of training gave me the competency and the courage to do what had to be done. And so I ask you, will you pass those skills on to your son of being courageous, of being a servant, of being a protector, a provider? of being prepared, because if you don't, then many, many years from now, when you and I are gone, there will be a generation of even weaker men who will not stand up to a violent person like that on an airplane, who will not stand up to government that is constantly and consistently looking to erode your freedom. We will have a generation who will not stand up as our constitutional rights get taken away and the United States becomes a country like all these other countries with higher taxes and limited freedom, limited access to free speech. So that is the responsibility you have and I have, friends. So that's something that I want you to really think about. I highly encourage you to read the book, Raising a Modern Day Knight. I massively encourage you to bring your son to the Squire program if he's of 13 to 15 years old. And I encourage you to be that guy who's gonna be a role model to not only your son, but his friends and the community around you because one of us is all that's needed in one community to spark the fire of other courageous men. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode, really appreciate you indulging me and giving me the time and opportunity to speak my truth, to come and, 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 and help you and hopefully change your mind and show you a different perspective of the roles and responsibilities that we have as humans to not only shepherd our families, but to shepherd our communities and our country to a better place long after you and I are gone. I appreciate you for listening to this show. I appreciate you watching this show. If you're watching on YouTube, I know there's a lot of things to do. You're supposed to toggle something and you're supposed to click the bell and you're supposed to subscribe and you're supposed to like and you're supposed to review. There's a lot of things you're supposed to do. If you don't mind, please pick one of those things and do it if you got any value from this episode. And if you did, then I appreciate you. And if you didn't, I still appreciate you. Take care, much love. Back when Q was rolling with Lorenzo and a Benzo I was banging with a gang of instrumentals